0: Well, I hope you got yourself a sandwich for this one too. Escapingthecave.com, also on the ChristopherMedia.net network, and at ETC Pod on Twitter. My mom says it won't last. Your mom is an alcoholic. Oh, yeah. Escaping the cave, and I'm getting really sick of guys named Todd. That's Toddzilla. Todd Toddzilla X Pod. <laughs> Of files. Welcome to another glorious episode of Escaping the Cave, the Toddzilla XPod over at uh, ChristopherMedia.net, also EscapingTheCave.com, as my friendly little intro voice just told you. Hope you're having a great week so far. It's August. It's August 28th. It's almost September. Can't get over that, man. How quickly this year is flying. Happy Wednesday morning. The sun's out this time. I'm almost like doing a morning show today. Ha ha ha. Anyway, yeah, hope it's a good week for you. Happy Wednesday. Weekend fast approaching. September coming up. Fall's going to be here. Ah, oh, before you know it. Feeling better. Didn't get sick. It was weird. I just all of a sudden felt better. I've been pulling some stuff together. Digging more material out of uh, Mr. Alul's book, Propaganda. Formation of the Men's Attitudes. Formation of Men's Attitudes. <laughs> Off to a rip and start again. This is why I do the Open like this. To get the mouth working, get the brain going before I actually get into the material. It, t- it takes a few minutes, <laughs> clearly. <sighs> yeah, I've been taking more material. I found, I keep finding more stuff. I confess, I'm not reading this book chronologically and then presenting the material to you in a linear fashion. There are parts of this book that I still haven't read. Because I have gotten sucked into certain aspects of this, and I find myself going and digging more deeper material from some other people, bouncing around from place to place to place. I said in the last episode, if you want this presented as it's written in the book, go buy the book. Again, I will have the link, the Amazon link, in the description part of the podcast. All you have to do is click the link, go to Amazon, you can click it, you can buy it, you can read it for yourself. I implore you to do this. I found stuff today. I was supposed to be into this podcast six hours ago. I'm not kidding. That is not hyperbole. I've been sitting here for six hours, mining more material beyond what I've already got for today, which is hugely important. It's what we are immersed in today. This is what's shredding the fabric of society out from beneath our feet. Agitation propaganda. He only devotes a very tiny portion of this book specifically to that. Now, the techniques apply throughout. It just means that there are different types of propaganda. Most of what he talks about in this book is integration propaganda, the flip side of agitation propaganda's coin. I'll get to all of that later on. Very little of this book is devoted specifically to dissecting what agitation propaganda is. I really wish it were the other way around, because you'll hear this. As I Sort of start exploring this podcast to you today, and exploring this material, presenting this material to you as the show goes on today. You're not going to be able to help but hear how these things apply to society today. Stuff that you and I, we have to admit, more than likely have been sucked into and participated in ourselves. We have perpetuated this. Intuitively, imitatively. Just picking it up. We're so awash in so many different kinds of propaganda today that I don't think that we would know propaganda if it hit us in the face. It is hitting us in the face. It is hitting us in the forehead, in the back, in the butt, everywhere. In a lot of different ways, I think that we have sort of internalized the techniques because we've seen it so much that we've started adopting them ourselves as though we think this is part, a natural part, a legitimate part of legitimate discourse and conversation. You'll be able to see it. I'm convinced of that, loyal Toddzilla file listener. And I have a lot. I'm not going to spend a lot of time here uh, messing around before the show goes on. There is one thing, though, that I wanted to get to. Uh, In one of these episodes, it might have been last week's, Yeah, I mentioned uh, turning yourself into agitation propaganda. Turning yourself, not using agitation propaganda, but turning yourself, your specific person, you as an individual in your online presence, using your virtual avatar, your online character, using that as agitation propaganda in and of itself. I'm going to give you an example here of why I called Twitter's founder Typhoid Jack last week and how we specifically use ourselves as agitation propaganda this piece of shit demonstrates both of these things It was delivered to me via twitter by someone i wasn't even fucking following Again I mentioned this in the last episode this happened again I'm I'm following virtually no one four accounts I'm following three Christopher media accounts and Andrew Sullivan that's the only follower uh people that I have the only people that are supposed to be coming into my feed that I have explicitly said yes I would like to hear from you four people Twitter doesn't like that so you know what it does people you might like to follow, or it gives me people who Andrew Sullivan and Christopher Media are following, it pumps that shit into my feed as though I'm following them. So I cannot not follow these fucking people <laughs> unless I block them or unless I mute their account. So anyway, that's how this piece of shit got to me this week. It's like a psychological virus. It's like a virus warfare. It's like psychological biological warfare <laughs> in some weird way, if that makes any sense. Really sick of it. This, is, this account's going to have to go away. As soon as I figure out, as soon as I get to a, uh, I don't know how, how close I am to this, but as soon as I get to a point where enough people following this thing to where it can sort of like spark itself, that account is going to be blown up. There's not going to be any fanfare. There's not going to be, I'm going to go away. I'm just going to blow that fucking thing up and do a shot. I've got some Irish whiskey my girlfriend's mom brought <laughs> from Ireland. I'm going to do that. I'm going to blow this thing up. I'm going to have a sacrificial sort of ceremony here at this desk. I'm going to blow that account up to take a shot. I don't even drink whiskey for good reason. I will that day. Anyway, here's what it was. I'll read it verbatim. How's that? Okay? I'll explain where it came from when I get done. It read, in part, Quote, over the past week, an assortment of trending stories from Jeffrey Epstein to the Dayton and El Paso mass shooters to Miley Cyrus's separation and Julianne Huff's declaration that she's not straight together have laid bare the strictures of an American patriarchy on the edge of a nervous breakdown. As the status quo, heterosexuality is just not working. As a snapshot of 2019 America, these stories present a startling picture. Men continue to coerce, harass, rape and kill girls and women, and go to extreme lengths to avoid responsibility for their actions. On the other side of the issue, girls and women are challenging heterosexuality and even absconding from it altogether. Framed differently, the picture is this. Men need heterosexuality to maintain their societal dominance over women. Women, on the other hand, are increasingly realizing not only that they don't need heterosexuality, but it also feels like oppression. Or when it's packaged in terms like biology, religion, or basic social needs like security, comfort, acceptance, and success. Heterosexuality offers women all these things as selling points to their consensual Subjection. Unquote. Do I need to explain? Do I need to point out how this specifically turns this writer into a piece of agitation propaganda? And it's twofold. It hits you from two sides here. Because this woman, obviously, it was a woman. I have another example that I could use of a guy pretty much doing the same thing from the left, emasculating himself, by the way. But yeah, this woman is using it in two different ways. She's using it to sort of stoke agitation toward men and heterosexuality, half of the population and the biological normalcy of the fucking species to procreate. She's antagonizing the left against it, while at the same time knowing that people like me are going to read this And just be like, fuck you. What the fuck is wrong with you? This, my friends, I've been guilty of this, I understand it. But this, my friends, is how you make yourself a flesh and blood, living, breathing, propaganda-farting piece of agitation. Propaganda. This is a visceral reaction piece designed to provoke, and yes, I'll use the word trigger, People from two sides. People from two different angles. It's about the reaction you're supposed to get. It's about the reaction this woman wants to instill in the reader. And there's a financial aspect of that. I'll get to that in a minute. But this wasn't something from 4chan now. Okay? This wasn't a piece of disinformation. This wasn't something that was contrived and written made up, a fiction made up, in order to just provoke a reaction from people. It was not that. This came from NBC. The NBC website, one of their um, distribution people. Now, if you think sociological propaganda isn't real, if you think agitation propaganda isn't real, this shit should point it out for you. And it's shit like this that makes that 4chan disinformation stuff that I was talking about, the stuff that has bitten me, twice in the last couple of months, it's legitimate, quote-unquote, legitimate stuff like this that makes the 4chan and 8chan disinformation viable. I gotta tell you, I'm still doing it right now. (laughs) I've been twitching like a motherfucker. I've suppressed it, and I haven't done it. But twitching like a motherfucker to post and then ravage this shit, thereby turning myself into a piece of agitation propaganda to anybody who might actually... Have an open mind to this shit. And not only that, here comes the financial aspect of it. I'm spreading this piece of shit, and I hate it. Do you think that the clickmongers over there at NBC really care that I shared it because I hate it? They just want the clicks. That's part of the economic model now. Hate clicks and hate shares are clicks and shares nonetheless. They both pay the same. Do you see how that could be... Financially beneficial to create something sensational, whether you love it or you hate it, you're getting a visceral response from people and they're going to do something with it. They're going to share it, whether they like it or hate it with their little group of people, whether they're calling you a stupid cunt or saying you're the second coming of the feminist Jesus. It doesn't matter. It's spreading like a fucking virus. The virus doesn't care what body it gets into. It just needs to get there. You just need to click on it so they can get their, their ad revenue. That's the model. It has to be, right? And there's a level of creativity there. You used to be, I think, that you used to put out shit because you wanted people to either think, you wanted to provoke thought, or at least put something out where people agreed with you. And no longer... We're so emotionally charged now that it may be more beneficial to put out something people hate so they'll throw it into their echo chamber as an example of the other side's evil. I almost did it. I I swear to God, I did send it to uh, Chris and Rich and we had a nice little exchange about it. I don't know if they clicked and read it. I know Chris did. I don't know if Rich did, but I gave them another click, didn't I? By using it as an example of ridiculousness. I know Chris read it because he said he called it just plain irresponsible journalism. <laughs> no, it's not responsible journalism, but click based journalism, yeah. And yes, again, I'm going to say it. I clicked it. He clicked it. I passed it along to those guys. They clicked it. They got it from me, and I hated it. Yet they got paid. You know, Rich asked me a couple of weeks ago who benefits from all this propaganda? You know, he, I think he was looking at it more of an, in a tinfoil kind of way. You know, as he's wont to do, he's, a, he's, a good, he's good for little conspiracy chats every now and then. I really enjoy that about him. But that, that, that was a legitimate question. I mean, who really is benefiting from all this? And there's one example, I think, that maybe a lot of people don't think about. I mean, I would really love to know. There's no way to quantify this, but I would love to know what portion of their online revenue comes from hate clicks like this. They don't care. They don't ask. There's no way they could know. Why would they care? And as Chris pointed out, it's about provoking an emotional response to trigger an action. The action is sharing. The action is commenting on it to boost its algorithm. None of us are immune to this. If we pay attention at all, unless we're just posting cat pictures and don't even bother to read any sort of political content, we're not immune to the stuff at all. It ties into a real black primal urge of ours that's being unleashed. Yeah, positive, negative, doesn't matter. That's how monetizing propaganda has changed the model. Lule never got into this. He never, I don't, it doesn't even sound to me like he thought about considering how propaganda could be monetized. This is how it's done in 2019. They have specifically monetized agitation propaganda. This is the social media disease. This is the stuff that is ripping us right down the middle. I don't remember her name, but if I ever see it again, if I do, commit it to memory. Anything she says, I hate her. Just because of that. And Chris said, you know, he thought it was somewhat admirable. Impressive, really. I mean, honestly, it is. It's sort of down the line of those those kids over at 4chan. There's a level of genius there. There's a level of creativity, of savvy, of understanding the environment in which you're working. I have to give them credit for that—that that they figured it out. They're—they're they're thinking on another level. They're thinking detached. <laughs> they're not inside of the political um, dialectic, I, I suppose. They don't care. The more flammable, the better. The, the content will generate clicks, and that's what it's about. It's about money. Media 101. I wish I had thought about this when I put that together. Maybe it's time to do another one of these. huh? It could be that they don't have any fucking clue what they're actually doing. (laughs) They just see the clicks go up. When I say that they don't have any idea what they're doing, I I mean as far as agitation propaganda and how they are contributing to the divisiveness and the hatred that's uh, spreading around the country. I don't know that they do. I don't think that they have any concept of that, or they don't care. I think they just see the clicks going up. They understand that these sensationalized and controversial topics and articles, the more flammable they are, the higher the clicks go. So bring it on. We want money. That's probably about as far and deep as the thought go. They're just cashing their checks. So, yeah, if you ever thought that agitation propaganda, if you've heard me talk about it, and you thought that it was a figment of our imagination, let me read this again to you. I'm going to put this thought in your head before I get onto the main content here. Men continue to coerce, harass, rape, and kill girls and women and go to extreme lengths to avoid responsibility for their actions. Men, half of the fucking population, half of the population... If you don't think that's agitation and demonization, how do you define agitation and demonization? Men continue to coerce, harass, rape, and kill girls and women and go to extreme lengths to avoid responsibility for their actions. They're not saying a small percentage of men are doing this or a few men are doing this. No, this bitch just says men continue to coerce, harass, rape, and kill little girls and women. Visceral reaction. If you agree with this, you're going to demonize all men. Yeah, you are. Don't sit there and shake your head. I see ya. Yeah, you will. On some level, that is exactly what you will do. It's unleashing the inner victim. There is a technique to it. It's intentional. Let's get to it. What we need right now is a clear message to the people of this country. A group of barbarians have declared war. On the American people, this message must be read in every newspaper, heard on every radio, seen on every television. Saddam Hussein could lash out against the United States in frightening fashion. This message must resound throughout the entire internet. We're still under attack. I want this country to realize that we stand on the edge of oblivion. I want every man, woman, and child to understand how close we are to kill. We are to kill. Massive death and destruction. War is the only option to protect the american people in 15 minutes of having a nuclear weapon there is no doubt no doubt there is no doubt no doubt that saddam hussein now has weapons of mass destruction every free nation is a potential target you have no clue this. about how to fight a war on terror right or how to defend wrong. your country right and wrong yes, yes. we are the we guardians, are the guardians guard. of freedom i believe in freedom yes, yes. we are we the are guardians guard. of freedom a smoking gun could come in the form of a mushroom cloud, cloud. I want everyone to remember why they need us. Our first priority must always be the security of our nation. Protect our homeland. They still want to come after us. They're murderers. Gentlemen, this is a test. Moments such as these are matters of faith. To fail is to invite doubt into everything we believe, everything that we have fought for. I can hear you. The rest Massive of- death. We're winning. We'll get bin Laden. I have unleashed a mighty military. Doubt will plunge this country back into chaos, and I will not let that happen. We'll get, we'll get bin Laden. We'll get bin Laden. And if he thinks he can hide and run from the United States and our allies, we'll have the best plan. He will be sorely mistaken. Go! In Washington, D.C., the political parties in both houses of Congress have shown a remarkable mm. unity. Unity through faith. Interrupting your regularly scheduled program to bring you this message of hate. Those who make war against the United States have chosen their own destruction. Destruction. There's no doubt he can't stand us. After all, this is the guy that tried to kill my dad at one time. We'll get Ben Larkin. Any discussions will be regarded, at the very least, as an act of sedition. You are clueless. You ought to just walk away. If not, a willful act of treason. How did this happen? Who's to blame? Truth be told, if you're looking for the guilty, you need only look into a, mirror, into a mirror. You were afraid. Who wouldn't be? War, terror, disease... Thousands, thousands of tons of chemical agents. Saddam Hussein recently sought significant quantities of uranium from Africa. There were a myriad of problems. Inspired to corrupt your reason and rob you of your common sense, fear got the best of you. You've heard the president say repeatedly that he has chemical and biological weapons. Weapons of mass destruction, that is what this war was about. This war was about weapons of mass destruction. Blind faith in your leaders or in anything will get you killed. This is the Escaping the Cape podcast, ChristopherMedia.net, EscapingTheCave.com too. I wanted to start this episode with that clip for two reasons first of all to remind you what agitation propaganda sounded like 12 years ago I put that together in 2007 during the Bush administration and also I wanted to put that together and wanted to air it I should say as sort of a olive branch to my liberal friends I've been picking on you a lot lately I use you as an example unfairly unbalanced i suppose because i expect more from you but let's not forget where we were 15 years ago as far as the uh, iraq war went how weapons of mass destruction was used as agitation propaganda also saddam hussein was used his threat was used to rally support unsuccessfully for an incursion into Iraq, an invasion of Iraq, an invasion of a country that had nothing to do with 9-11. And now, if you were on George Bush's side back in those days, if you were a Republican, you ate it up. You did. I remember. (laughs) Do you? How did that war turn out? Were there weapons of mass destruction? Was it about that? Or were these techniques used... To remind the people why they need us. Why they be scared, be terrified. We're the only ones who can protect you. Agitating the mind, creating an enemy. This one external in order to uh, drum up support for a war. There's precedent here. goes all the way back about 100 years. First time this was used was World War I. They wanted to convince the American people that entry into a foreign war Sending kids over to Europe to die in a foreign war was a good idea. They had the means. They figured out how to use mass media for the first time, how to agitate the population, the Huns, I think it was back then, (laughs) and how to drum up support for a foreign war. Edward Bernays figured this out. He saw how that was used. He figured out how to apply that well beyond just drumming up support for a war. He applied it to advertising. He applied it to politics, or at least tied it into politics with the help of Walter Lippmann. That was a hundred years ago. The propaganda technique, as Alul calls it, has evolved well beyond that. And what I'm going to talk about today is agitation propaganda, because that is what we are devouring ourselves with. First, though, I have to um, start with something else. I'm going to take this from another section in the book. Uh, It's from the subjective situation section of the need for propaganda. This is different than the stuff I was talking about before. What I was talking about before was the psychological need for it. Why people become addicted to it. Why they become dependent upon propaganda. This section of this book, Need for Propaganda, this entire chapter of this book has nothing to do with that. It's about the societal need for propaganda. Why it is as a society... It's required. If you think that this is just an evil cabal engaging in fuckery to deceive the poor innocent masses with lies, if you think that's all this is, you are sadly mistaken. I want to prepare you for that now. I'm going (laughs) to, again, this is one of those sections that I sort of jumped over because I was looking for other stuff. When I found this last night, I went looking because I remember that there was a section on hatred in this part of this book. And I went to go find it. And then I started reading. And kept going and kept going and kept going. Oh boy. I I need to psychologically prepare you for this. I'm not going to get to this today. (laughs) This is going to have its own fucking episode. Maybe the last one uh, as far as this book goes. But this isn't just them. It's us. It is the people. There is a psychological need beyond just this addiction to happy facts. There is a societal need in a technological society, anyway. Tied to data overload, tied to too much information, there is a societal need to have this provided. They're not shoving this up your butt, they're not giving you a forced enema. You're laying on the table with your cheeks spread. That's where this is going. I sort of let the cat out of the bag, didn't I? It's okay. I'm kind of glad I did that because you do need to be prepared for that when that day comes because if you have it in your head that you're a poor, innocent victim, or that we are poor, innocent victims, I have to stop with that Hugh thing. (laughs) If you have that in your head, begin the process of extracting it now. It'll make life easier later if you continue listening. Anyway, on suppression and hatred from the Subjective Situation section of uh, The Need for Propaganda, the chapter. Uh, The author is Jacques Ellul. The book is Propaganda, The uh, Formation of Men's Attitudes. And the way he starts it out is by stating that we live in an increasingly regimented society, permitting less and less free and spontaneous expression of man's profound drives. He also admits that... uh, it would be largely antisocial if these drives were completely unleashed. Duh. But modern man, tied to a timetable, rarely can act on the spur of the moment. He must pay constant attention to what goes on around him. Can't make the noise he wants to make. He must obey a growing number of rules of all sorts. He cannot give free rein to his sexual instinct. Although, if you listen to this woman, you would think he does. Think every man was out there raping somebody. <laughs> Uh, yeah, can't give free reign to his sexual instincts or his inclination to violence. I'm not violent. Are you sure? Are you sure about that? You sure it's not in there somewhere, moonbeam holding the severed head of a man up, saying we're lucky, we're lucky that all you want is equality and not vengeance, but saying in the comments, yeah, you really want vengeance. Are you sure you're not prone to violence somewhere deep down inside? You sure it's not suppressed? Huh? Are you absolutely sure about that? I don't know. It says that despite uh, present day's so called immorality, of which people complain, contemporary man is much less free in these matters than was the man of the 16th and 17th century. Progress has been made. I had a conversation about this with a girl this week that people think things are so terrible. So, so, so terrible that they've lost sight of how far we've actually come in the last couple of decades, even. How long ago was it that gay marriage was just a completely repulsive thought to most people, that it was never going to happen? How far have gay people come in the last 15 years? And so many other things, but no. The default position is that everyone is a victim. Everyone is oppressed. We are barbarians. We've lost sight. Well, I won't say we. I will say a lot of people have lost sight of how far we have actually come in this immoral time. We've made a lot of progress. We continue to make it. These social progress signposts, are going to come with consequences that have to be dealt with. And he says that it's impossible to keep the individual in such a stifled situation for long. Something's going to happen. The individual who feels himself in conflict with the group, whose personal values are different from those of his group who feel tension toward his society, and even toward the group in which he participates... (laughs) i <laughs> been there. That individual is in a tragic situation in modern society. This is 1965 this was written. In case you've missed me pointing that out in the previous episodes, 1965 all this stuff was written. And until recently, he says, such an individual enjoyed a certain freedom, a certain independence, which allowed him to release his tension in external and quite acceptable actions once upon a time. He didn't say what those things were. I was not alive in 1965. I would like to know what he was talking about here. He says these men had a circle of personal activities through which they could express their own values and live out their conflicts, which is the best way of maintaining equilibrium. But in the technological society, the individual no longer has either the independence or the choice of activities sufficient to release his tensions properly. Forced to keep them inside himself, tensions become extreme and can cause psychological illness. Along comes a spider. At that very moment, propaganda will intervene as the fake, in parentheses, (laughs) the fake instrument for reducing these tensions by external actions, the pressure valve. Reducing these tensions by external actions, he says... In one of his notes, that it's well known to what extent modern man needs an escape. He's talking about an escape here. Escape is a general phenomenon of our civilization because man has to battle too many contradictions and tensions imposed upon him by the contradictions and conditions of life. By the conditions of life. He seeks to flee these difficulties. And is encouraged to do so by the contemporary, I love this phrase, the contemporary ideology of happiness. The definition, the externally imposed, the externally imposed definition of happiness. What will make you happy? This is what you should do to be happy. The ideology of happiness. That means happiness, success, and a lot of other things. I don't need his book to talk about this. I've written volumes on it. Externally defined definitions, externally imposed definitions of happiness and success. You have a standard of what's supposed to make you happy. You're, you have a standard thrust upon you of what makes you successful. And those things don't always work. That creates contradictions. That creates tension. That creates anxiety. I'd like to point out that he has an entire section in this book about anxiety. In 1965, anxiety was a plague, too. It's fascinating. It's part of the six hours I spent on reading and and dictating this material into my computer today. Before I did this podcast, I was supposed to be doing this podcast six hours ago. It's supposed to be out by now. It's not because of that. The ideology of happiness. Isn't that awesome? The white picket fence, apple pie, four kids... A six-figure income, a Lexus in the driveway. All these little financial trophies. Look how successful and happy I am. Have you been to Instagram? Everybody's showing how happy they are, how successful their life is. Most of these people, a lot of these people, I shouldn't say most. I can't prove it, but a lot of these people are miserable as fuck. They go home and kick the dog because they're so fucking miserable and pissed off. It's like that woman from American Beauty. Remember that great movie starring that great actor you hate <laughs> now, Kevin Spacey? Remember that movie? Go watch that movie. Check out Annette Benning's character in that movie. She's a composite character of about a million people, maybe 10 million people, maybe 100 million people in this country that put on this projection of success and happiness and are fucking miserable. They hate their lives and they think something's wrong with them because they hate their lives. Because what they think is supposed to make them happy. (sighs) These ideas of success, they don't feel happy and they don't feel successful and they can't fucking figure out why. Because it's fake. I know why. I'll spare you the rest of this rant. It's about three hours long and it's profound. (laughs) He humbly said. The ideology of happiness. I love that phrase. I'm going to steal it. He's dead. He can't sue me. Propaganda offers him an extraordinary possibility of escape into action. To, to escape these tensions that I'm just talking about. These tensions, these subconscious, These these. they can't even articulate why they feel the way they do. Propaganda offers him an extraordinary possibility of escape into action. Action. Triggered action. Conditioned action. The convulsive twitch. He says to seal all outlets and suppress man in all areas is dangerous. He needs to express his passions and his desires somehow. The real ones, not the inseminated ones. Collective social repression can have the same effect as individual repression as well. Let me repeat that. Collective social repression can have the same effect as individual repression. You can do this to a group of people, a society, a population. Repress the population as a group. It has the same effects as repressing the need to express passions and desires, real ones. It has effects collectively. And because of that, either diversion or a release is necessary. A diversion, an escape. Don't think about it. Go do something else. Put it out of your head for a little while. Either that or a release, a direct release. And on the collective level, he says, release is easier. Though, he points out, (laughs) some of the most oppressed groups were the most easily led to acts of heroism and sacrifice for for the benefit of their oppressors. You know what came to mind when I read that? I've seen a number of stories, heroic stories about black soldiers in World War II. Serve the country admirably. That's exactly what I thought of here. That some of the most oppressed groups, when he says some of the most oppressed groups, were the most easily led to acts of heroism and sacrifice for the benefit of their oppressors. You know what else I thought about? I'm sorry. I apologize for my gender. Oh, that seems heroic, doesn't it? If you're a feminist, oh, look at this heroic man (gasps) sacrificing for the benefit of me. Oh, bow to your queen. Maybe we're not there yet. Maybe I'm a little off. Maybe I'm biased there. Maybe I just have that in my fucking head. I'd like to get this guy out of my fucking head. (laughs) God, that still pisses me off every time I feel about it. Is that the convulsive twitch? Is that conditioned reflex? Could be. But he made himself a piece of agitation propaganda, didn't he? Goodness, I'm in a mood today. Anyway, in the need for release, according to Jock we find some spontaneous expression. He used the, the example of jazz. Oh, well, 1965. He says that jazz is a means for many young people of releasing repressed impulses and, significantly, so are violent displays. I will let your mind go where it likes to go here. So are violent displays. A need of release. Spontaneous expression. Violent displays. Hmm. 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 What could it be? I'll leave that to you. Lule says that while the possibilities of release are very limited, propaganda, on the other hand, offers release on a grand scale. Oh, yes, of course it does. For example, propaganda will permit what so far was prohibited, such as hatred. Let me repeat that propaganda will permit what so far was socially prohibited, such as hatred. Hatred, which is a dangerous and destructive feeling and fought by society. Now, I would like to caution you, depending upon your ideological bent, I'm assuming that if you're a liberal, you're thinking of those racist bastards. Well, the rest of us, or some of the rest of us, or if you're a conservative, you're thinking of the neo-fascists, the social fascists, the cultural eugenics crowd. Hating white men. Hating men in particular. I'm thinking of that woman I quoted at the beginning of the show. Depending upon what side you're on, you're thinking of the other side right now. I need to caution you on that. I would encourage you, if you have the the cognitive ability to do it, the cognitive flexibility... If your brain's tendons are loose enough to look around, turn around and look at your own backside, I would encourage you to do that while I go through the rest of this. Take a look in the mirror. Don't look at them. Look at you. Don't look over there. Right in the mirror. All right? Propaganda will permit what was so far prohibited, such as hatred, which is a dangerous and destructive feeling, and fought by society. But man always has a certain need Need, need, to hate. Not me. Shh. Man always has a certain need to hate. Just as he hides in his heart the urge to kill. Not me, shush. Now stop, stop. Shh. Hush, little baby, don't you cry. Propaganda offers him. An object of hatred, for all propaganda, is aimed at an enemy. 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 Propaganda thus displaces and liberates feelings of aggression by offering specific objects of hatred to the citizen, and this generally suffices to channel passion. And the hatred it offers is not shameful. It is not evil hatred that he has to hide. It's a legitimate hatred which he can justly feel. He's justified in it by his group. Also, propaganda points out enemies that must be slain. Now, he's using this in the literal sense. I don't think we need to do that here yet. Propaganda points out enemies that must be, we'll say, metaphorically slain. But not always metaphorically. Transforming crime into a praiseworthy act. It's not that much of a leap, kids. It's not that much of a leap at all. And this is going to horrify you. And I I, I just, I, again, don't cry. Shh. Don't say it. When I say this, don't you say it. When I say this, suppress the urge to say, Not me. Deep down inside, deep down inside, almost every man feels a desire to kill his neighbor. At some point. But this is forbidden, thank God. And in most cases... (laughs) The individual, he understates that a little bit. In most cases, the individual will refrain from it for fear of the consequences. No, I don't ever feel the urge to kill. Shh, it's okay. Just listen. Don't talk. Shh. Also, propaganda points out enemies that must be slain, transforming crime into a praiseworthy act. And it's this way that propaganda opens the door and allows him to kill the Jews, kill the bourgeois, kill the communists, and so on. And such murder inside a propaganda's paradigm even becomes an achievement. He uses a goofy example. Maybe some levity is good here. <laughs> he says, similarly in the 19th century, when a man felt like cheating on his wife or divorcing her, he found that this was frowned upon... So, at the end of that century, a propaganda appeared that legitimized adultery and divorce. (gasps) Ooh, like magic, huh? (laughs) And he says, in such cases, the person attaches himself passionately to the source of such propaganda, which, for him, that source of propaganda provides liberation. Now, in our contemporary social environment, I will give liberals permission to look over at Donald Trump. It's pretty unavoidable. It's also very understandable. It shouldn't be that way, but you know what? The truth is what is. What should be is a terrible fantasy someone gave the people long ago. Put your shoulds in your jackstrap, throw it in the washer, and put it on the spin cycle till we're done. Your shoulds don't matter right now. They're irrelevant. In such cases, the person attaches himself passionately to the source of such propaganda, which for him provides liberation. The liberation of anything that was once forbidden and is now liberated. The liberation of hatred that is now freed. When and where transgression becomes a virtue, the lifter of the ban... Becomes a hero, a demigod, and we consecrate ourselves to serve him because he has liberated our repressed passions. Of course, this is Donald Trump these days. Really, no two ways of looking at it, right? Is there, is there really an argument for that? Has he released these repressed passions? Yes, he has. Well, here's the thing, kids. If you're saying that Donald Trump has released these repressed passions, they never went away. Uh, The eugenics program failed. They were just suppressed, repressed. And if that's the case, there may be a lot more coming. This is a good place to probably go into a rant. Because if that's just the tip of the iceberg, if none of these repressed hatreds, these repressed drives were cured, We're taken care of, were bred out of our system, if they were just repressed, are you sure? Are you sure that this just isn't the spurt before the volcano? And are you going to be able to handle that? And I would like you to think about this as you make yourself a piece of agitation propaganda and you've got somebody on the other side who knows how to exploit it and how to release these repressed passions, are you sure you want to be poking that? I'm just saying, it's not a question of right or wrong here. Are you sure you're going to be able to survive that? You know, in relation to what I was uh, talking about earlier with uh, progress, you know, the cocked white devil and his cracker bear cousins have begrudgingly come along with your idea of social progress so far. Or at least they didn't, you know, sabotage the progress. And that's where the far left is blowing it now. Yeah, you can, you can talk about Trump all you want. I won't argue with you. You're helping him. You're making enemies out of the also-rans. The people who didn't give a shit about any of this stuff. Who were at least willing to shut up and ride along with you. In your social engineering project for a really long time. They're getting to the point now where they're not. And you've got somebody who knows how to exploit that. Instinctively, intentionally, it doesn't matter. Do you think other people aren't seeing this? Do you think they're not seeing the fertile ground in which to plant now? You're creating an entire market now. It was basically outlawed for decades. You've opened it up. Well, I haven't opened it Yes, you have. By agitating people enough, by creating an internal enemy out of half of the population. You know what? I didn't argue with you on Trump. You can't argue with me on this. If you don't think that you made white men, men in general, white men in particular, if you think that you're not making them the moneyed bourgeois in 2019 American culture, (laughs) you just aren't looking. It's exactly what you're trying to do. I'm going to get to this. You're the fertilizer that's making this ground fertile again. The Cracker Bear has been hibernating for a really long time. You're waking him up. You keep poking and agitating him. He's gonna roll over and he's gonna bite you. These repressed passions, they're still there. If you're even semi-literate in American history, I would be very careful about unleashing those things. All right, the rest of this is recorded. I've made an executive decision to break this up. I'm not going to make that mistake again. This beast is going to run close to three hours if I don't do it this way. And this is a really good primer, a really good opening to where the agitation propaganda thing is going to take us. You have to understand this in order to fully appreciate what is being unleashed by agitation propaganda. This really does deserve its own space really think about that really really hard over the next day I will put the next one out tomorrow so I really would encourage you to ponder this deeply and then come back and uh, check out the rest of this tomorrow heady stuff man I know (laughs) guys we fucked up the hall on the left (laughs) maybe go check out Rogan good podcast I got something on him too he's tapping into something Mr. Rogan is something the woke flakes don't really understand I get it though I do been listening to the Escaping the Cave podcast this wonderful audio masterpiece is also on the ChristopherMedia.net network if you haven't been over there check out the podcast go over there for all your podcast needs make sure you shoot him a few shekels if you got him lying around he's got a PayPal link over there somewhere I think pay the man or donate EscapingtheCave.com as well you can hit me up at uh, TonzillaX at gmail.com I intentionally don't have a lot of avenues for you to uh, comment I prefer not to feed the Twitter wildlife or any other kind, but there you go. If you've been listening, got something to say, say it there. Just be careful. If it's stupid, I might use it. Thanks for clicking in. Till next time, so long.